Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it is really, really good to be here together. So some of you may have noticed it felt a little bit different uh, if you got here a little early this morning it was a little bare out here in front because so much action was over here happening with the trunk or treat with the kids uh, and it was so much fun so thanks for all of you who helped make that happen if there are any kids or teenagers in the room i just want to make sure everybody knows we are we just kind of continue it's like a continuous halloween party this morning and so kids are already out there doing some playing and games and stuff like that so any kids left here if you'd like to go to the playground you're absolutely invited to do that and any teenagers more like sixth grade and up my understanding is that you are in the cafeteria this morning doing some games and some stuff as well so just an open invitation we always love to have our kids and our youth in here with us as well hey i just want to make sure everybody knows uh you'll you may notice that uh our co-pastor bill white is not here with us this morning and we did share some information online this week about some challenges uh, that Bill's family is facing. And so I want to make sure you guys just all know that, that that information is available. Bill's also posted a little bit to his social media. Uh, so if you have any questions, feel free to I mean, ask a friend next to you, or I'd be happy to tell you a little bit more about what's going on. Uh, I've also had one or two people uh, just tell me this morning, just kind of like they weren't sure what to do. You know, like, do I do I text Bill? I don't want to overwhelm him. And that's just so kind and thoughtful. And so I just want to, anybody else who's wondering that, I'm not saying this is the right way to do it, but I will tell you one thing that I often do in situations like that, where I'm like, oh, this person may be a little bit inundated with like all the well wishes and people saying I'm praying. If I feel like I want to send a text, I just start it with don't reply. You know, because like that's the part where it might feel overwhelming, right? Is if you feel like you have to send a personal reply to 200 people. Um, and so just just a thought, if any of you are like, oh, I really want to text Bill, you, you might just start it with like, you don't need to reply. I just wanted to let you know that I'm praying for you. Um, yeah, but hopefully we're going to see Bill uh, here again next Sunday. And um, yeah, thank you for keeping him in your prayers. Well, we always love to pray over our kids, and even though most of them are not actually here with us this morning, kind of in this worship space, we still want to maintain that tradition. And so uh, Israel Rubio is going to come up and pray over our kids for us. So if you could just join us in that time on this special morning for kids. Morning. Hello. Thanks for uh, being here, everyone. Uh, let's go ahead and pray for the kiddos. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you so much for the kids, and what a great time to be a kid right now and to just enjoy the season. And we just pray that, uh, thank you for all the volunteers who work with them and who pour so much into them in this time. Um, and just for all the things and challenges kids go through right now. Uh, we pray for them. We just ask that you uh, give us clarity and guidance and supporting and being encouragement to them uh, in nurturing their growth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I also want to invite my co-preacher this morning. Would you guys welcome up Dottie Olson? Hey. Dottie is our pastoral resident, and she is just amazing. It's so fun to get to co-preach with her this morning. Yeah, thanks, Brenna. Good yeah. morning, everyone. This is a fun morning. 
I love it. My One of my first Sundays at City Church was Halloween Sunday, and I just remember staring at this cute little kid in a skunk costume. <laughs> if that was your kid, you're amazing. And it was just so cute. And the mom told me she thrifted it, and it was kind of just this like raggedy skunk costume, and it was so cute. So I remember Pepe this, Pew. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is just a sweet morning of joy and chaos, and it's wonderful. It's great to be here with you all. So many of you know, we have been journeying through the book of Jonah. We have been talking about this book from the Old Testament, and it's a satirical story about this messenger that is running from God, that is having his own experiences of ego, of nationalism, of pride. Mm -hmm. He ends up in the belly of a fish. He's rescued. There's grace. Grace is shown to his enemy. He's grumpy. He's angry. <laughs> it is just such a bizarre story that we have spent multiple weeks going through. Truly bizarre. And last week, we, we did the last chapter on on Jonah and it was like okay we've done it but also all of us have these question marks around the story kind of what is happening it's a little a little odd uh mm -hmm. so we finished talking about the book of Jonah yeah Jenna. yeah why are we still talking about it <laughs> why what do right? we have left to say Tell yeah us. like I realized that after we got down last week people were like so we're done with Jonah I'm like oh I mean yes and no and no, because we actually have one more week. Okay, so last week, as Dottie was saying, there's a sense of question mark because this bizarre story of Jonah ends in a really bizarre place. Because I don't know about you guys, but like when I watch a movie, I don't want the movie to stop at a cliffhanger. I want to know like what happened to people, right? It doesn't absolutely have to be like happily ever after. I don't mind when it is, you know, but but some sense of resolution. You know that hey i i it's all wrapped up the cord has been resolved yeah and we didn't get that with no, jonah and so last week we really sort of leaned into that and we kind of said hey this is actually kind of amazing i mean because some of us are kind of tired of a faith that tries to tell us that everything is neat and tidy when our actual experience of the world is not always neat and tidy mm -hmm. and so, so there's something really beautiful about saying like God's okay with questions. God's okay with being playful. God's okay with just, just sitting in it, being in the process, the messy middle of the story. There's something really beautiful about that. And? And, right? It's that improv technique. Yes, and. And there is something in us that's kind of like, we want that hope that the question might get answered. We do sort of like, but what's next? Like that there is this beautiful sense of, okay, Jonah leaves us on a cliffhanger, which sort of gives us the sense of like the story isn't done yet. So what if we actually looked for, where is maybe Jonah pointing us towards? Not that this is just gonna wrap up everything, but maybe a little bit more of a sense of, of resolution to that chord, a little bit of a sense of like, ah, here, here's a space I can really breathe and just kind of settle in and, and, and just have a little bit more sense of clarity as we move forward. So as it turns out, though the book of Jonah finished, Jonah actually comes up in the Bible again. Not a lot, but there's a specific spot where Jesus talks about Jonah. Yeah. And so we thought, you know, 
Jesus is kind of cool, right? Like Jesus sometimes has some good stuff to say. What if we kind of say, okay, why does Jesus almost a thousand years later think that the story of Jonah, yeah. is, this weird, bizarre story of Jonah is worth talking about? So that's where we're going to be today. Yeah. So this morning, we're going to talk about this passage uh, in Matthew where Jesus talks about the sign of Jonah. And and before we invite our scripture reader up, I want you to pay attention to what's happening. What where are the moments of sign or anti-sign? Where are the moments of hero or anti-hero? And that's that's what we're going to be sticking with this morning. We're going to be talking about how Jesus presents us this sign, anti-sign conversation and hero anti-hero so judy kim our sweet scripture reader come on up here you go judy and here at city church uh we love to stand in honor of the reading of god's words friends on zoom welcome i'm sorry i forgot to say that earlier and you can stand or just sit and be comfortable in your pjs matthew 12 39 to 40 He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. People of God, this is the word of God. Sorry, I kind of took that line. Yeah, that's great. Sometimes it's hard to remember who's doing what. Um, So I don't know how many of you have heard this passage before. I feel like it's one of those skip over passages. Yeah. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like those things in the Bible where you just go, you read and go and your eyes kind of glaze over and you're like, I don't know what that means. So moving on, you know, to something where like Jesus tells me to be generous or something. And I'm like, yes, that one. Yes, that one I get Jesus saying, well, one, you know, this whole like, man, you people are messed up. And then Jesus going back and saying, ah, all you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? Like, what does that even mean? So as we start out this morning, I thought it might be helpful just to realize that the sign of Jonah was a phrase that actually meant something at this time with this group of people. And I just wanna point out, I don't know how much you guys can hear it, but we're definitely gonna be hearing kids today and we are gonna embrace it. We're gonna go, woohoo, the kids are having a good morning and so are we. Um, So the sign of Jonah is like an actual phrase. And that's part of the reason Jesus doesn't spend a whole lot of time explaining it, right? Because you don't explain things that everybody knows about, you know, that's just like a culturally given fact. So his hearers are familiar with the phrase, the sign of Jonah. But Jesus is gonna do something a little different with it. He's gonna put his own spin on it, which is kind of what he tends to do in general. But it's gonna help us understand what Jesus is doing if first we understand kind of the normal meaning of it, right? Um, So in the almost a thousand years in between the writing and the sort of cultural um, sharing of the book of Jonah, right? People actually listening to it, reading it, that sort of thing. There's been about a thousand years and some interpretation has sprung up around it. Just like we've spent weeks trying to figure out what it means, all sorts of religious leaders, religious scholars spent some time trying to figure out what it means. And it probably shouldn't surprise us that they might have had some different interpretations than we shared 
over the last few weeks because people actually read the Bible differently. That's actually kind of fun, right? That's what makes it so interesting to have conversations about the Bible with other people. And so the religious leaders of this day and age asked a question of the book of Jonah that I have to admit, like when I was doing a little bit of studying, prepping for this morning, I was like, I didn't even think to ask this question. Like it just, it just didn't even occur to me. So they asked this question and then they had sort of an imaginative response to it. Like it was a question that the answer isn't exactly there in the story of Jonah, but they kind of filled in the gaps. They had sort of a holy imagination of this is, this is what it might have looked like. This might be the answer. And that also is completely valid. Later on this morning, I want to exercise a little bit of holy imagination around this story as well. But here's the question that they asked. The question that they wanted to ask and answer was, why did the great city of Nineveh repent so quickly, so miraculously all together when this kind of puny outsider Jonah comes in and tells them to? Like, I'm like, oh, that's actually a really good question. I just kind of went, oh, it was a miracle. But why? Like, what, what was behind that? And so the way the, the religious leaders of the day answered that question is they said, well, because Jonah himself was a walking miracle. The people of Nineveh not only saw like kind of this sort of insignificant little figure of Jonah going out and kind of into the vast void, like shouting his message of repentance, but they actually knew what had happened to Jonah. They were aware of the whole story of the great storm and the ship and, and Jonah being thrown overboard and the great whale, the great fish coming and swallowing him up. This miraculous rescue that Jonah had experienced being spat out onto the shore, given a second chance to go and perform this really important mission. And so the leaders of the day say, hey, Jonah's a walking miracle, and that was kind of like his street cred. So people don't just see Jonah, they see the whole story of what Jonah's been through, and that makes Jonah impressive. That makes Jonah trustworthy. And that's why Jonah is listened to. And that's the miracle behind the miracle of the city of Nineveh repenting. And now it makes sense, right, that religious, the religious leaders look at Jesus and say, hey, do something special. Show us your credentials. And Jesus starts talking about this figure who in the common language had credentials. He had miracles behind him that then the people of Nineveh listened. So commonly understood meaning. It has a really positive connotation in the culture. The sign of Jonah, this is how you establish yourself by showing you can do miracles. And it kind of supports a status quo. Now Jesus is gonna change it a little bit. He's gonna take it, complicate it, and remind us and the people of the day how countercultural the story of Jonah actually was. Yeah, thanks Brenna. That's yeah. really great context to situate us on why this is so significant and what's happening as we enter into the story. So I'm going to bring us back to the text in Matthew and and just let's go let's go into what's happening. So it starts in Matthew 38 verse 38 saying, then some of the teachers of the law and proud religious law keepers said to Jesus, teacher, we would like to have you have you do something special for us to see. So as Brenna was saying, 
these religious leaders are coming to Jesus and they say, prove your worth, do something special, show your validity. We want to see what you have. And this, we can, all of us can have our own reactions, but this is right. Prove to us that you matter in our system, that you have power, that mm -hmm. you matter to the empire, right? Prove to us your worth. Jesus says to them, the sinful people of this day look for something special to see. There will be nothing special to see but the powerful works of the early preacher Jonah. So Jesus is being like asked like, okay, come on, show us something special. And Jesus says, you want a sign? You want to see something special? The only sign I will give you is the sign of Jonah. So immediately we're like, okay, what is happening? Again, this is such an easy text to go over because it's like, I don't understand it. Skip, skip. <laughs> yeah. And so the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Jesus, and, and like Brenna was saying, this sign is one that has validity and is special to a community. It's also a sign of humiliation and going into pain. We've talked about how Jonah is an anti-hero. He, he really kind of is... I don't know, like almost like we're, we're laughing at him over the last couple of weeks, like empathetically, because we are also Jonah, like we yeah. are, but Jonah isn't necessarily this like macho sign. It's a really strange sign. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is saying, you want a sign? The only sign I'll give you is the sign of Jonah, <laughs> right? There's other things that happened in the Old Testament Jesus could have pointed to. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, Jonah was three days and three nights in the stomach of a big fish. The son of man or the human one will be three days and three nights in the grave also. So Jesus is saying, not only am I not going to give you a sign, I'm going to talk about the sign of Jonah. And then Jesus compares himself to Jonah. So this humiliating act of being in the belly of a fish, Jesus says, yeah, that's me also. Mm -hmm. which again is really anti-system, anti-power, a lot of humiliation. Jesus says, I'm not playing the game you want me to play. And what's, what I really love about this story, this story shows up in two places in the New Testament. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's also in the Gospel of Luke. And some of you know that the Jesus stories sometimes repeat themselves because different authors are writing them and they show up a little differently. But in both Matthew and Luke, both of the authors talk about this one element that I think is just really fascinating. They talk about the queen of the South. And it's kind of strange that I'm bringing this up, but just hang in with me, okay? Yeah, great. I love the head nods. Like, <laughs> like, trust me, please. We're in it together. We're this in is it really together. a conversation. Okay. So in Matthew and also in Luke 11, it says, the queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. So it's, well, it's after saying the men of Nineveh, this thing on the men of Nineveh, and then it goes, the queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. So kind of, again, seems like a bizarre reference, but the queen of the South is the queen of Sheba, this female pagan queen. And she is known in the Old Testament of going to Solomon, this really established leader uh, in the Old Testament, and going to him and seeking wisdom. 
And so what I love about this story is that not only is Jesus saying, you wanna play the game of power and of trying to prove ourselves, no, I'm not gonna play that. And also the person that I'm gonna point to is a female and a pagan. Look <laughs> at her. Look at the ways that she is embodying something special. And so it's really, a, again, there's so many pieces of this story that's kind of hard to piece together. But Jesus is going in and saying, you want a sign? The only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Like Jonah was in the fish, I am going to be in the grave. This is not the sign that impresses empire. This is not the sign that impresses power. And to even dig that point deeper, I'm gonna talk about a female mm. and a pagan outside of our religious status that is showing us something special. It's fascinating. Mm. So it's a really interesting like note on this sign anti-sign. And we're gonna go into Brenna, yeah. what is happening with this hero anti-hero storytelling yeah because you almost get the sense right i don't know if some of you guys are feeling this as dotties but there's a sense that almost like the religious leaders have sort of sanitized the story of jonah right the story of jonah was actually offensive mm. when it was first written it was this sort of this invitation in this time of a lot of factionalism this is our people and we're you know kind of nationalism and and the sense we're special it was this internal, you know, not somebody from the outside saying, hey, I think we've got it wrong, but somebody from the inside writing this really just provocative text to say, is it really just that God loves us? Really? Are you sure? Are you sure we're getting it right and asking all these questions? And because in that book, too, remember, it was the pagans. Yeah. They were the ones, and by the way, pagans is kind of like in air quotes as yeah. we use it this morning. Not um, negative. We're not, not using it negatively. Yeah, we're not using it negatively. We're just kind of saying the outsiders, right? The religious outsiders to the system. And all through the book of Jonah, they were the ones who got it right. They were the ones who responded. And so we have the sense that, that the religious leaders in Jesus' day had started to sort of um, tame it. We like to tame things, right? You know, just make it a little, little bit more like this. We, we assume the narrative when we make it work for us. And Jesus was kind of like, no, don't you remember? Don't you remember how rough it really was? Don't you remember how rough Jonah was? Let's remember. So with that, I just have this sense as I read this passage, it's just such an interesting pairing. You know, I mean, Okay, generally speaking, what church leaders do when they come to this passage is they just focus in on this like three days thing. And they go, ah, clearly Jesus is just saying, resurrection, here I come, right? This is, he's pointing to the cross and he's pointing to the resurrection and saying, this is gonna be my sign. I mean, yes, and, right? Another yes, and, because it's really interesting that he would compare himself with this rough anti-hero of a figure in Jonah, this hateful figure, this impatient, unwilling to listen to God figure, mm. just full of anger. And, and again, we say that sort of gently because a lot of us as we've gone through the book have been like, it's me, it's me at different points, right? So why does Jesus do that? 
I mean, for me, I just have to wonder, and again, this is where the holy imagination enters in, where I think back to how the book of Jonah ends, that question that we end on, this sense of God is asking Jonah, shouldn't I love this people? Isn't it right that I would have compassion on them, that I would spread my compassion, my love, my mercy, my grace as far as I can, that I would have hope for people, that I would want them to be restored, return to the love that I designed them for. And we don't know how Jonah's going to respond. That's the question that we're left on. I wonder if Jesus doesn't want to say, look, I'm going to give you another model. Where Jonah was the anti-hero, I'm going to try to give you a picture of what a true hero really looks like. What a healing answer to this set of questions would look like. And let's be clear, this is not going to look like our picture of a hero either right like this is not superman big muscles hero right it's not muscular jesus or there's a popular book out there now somewhat popular if you haven't heard it don't worry about it but this isn't john wayne jesus Mm. right gun culture jesus that's not what this is he's not riding in guns at the ready to save he's not macho not that kind of hero this is a humble hero. This is a hero that is going to love in ways that put him right next to pain. Mm. He's wrapping his arms around suffering people. And he's down on his knees, having taken off his outer garment so that he can wash dirty feet. It's a love that welcomes noisy little children. It's a love that suffers, Mm. that is willing to suffer all the indignity. Whew. I think I'm going to try and sit still. Testing. Okay. It's this kind of love. This is what heroism actually looks like. Like Jonah, Jesus was actually given a mission by God. He was given a message to go and to share. And he actually is scared at times, just like Jonah. That piece of you that, and me, that has resonated with Jonah over the last few weeks, I actually think Jesus probably felt some of that too. We're told that he's like us in so many ways, right? I mean, he felt true emotions. He wept in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing those three days stretched before him. It's not like it was easy, but where Jonah turned around and ran, Jesus said, okay, God, I'm scared, I'm sad, but I trust you. Lead on, I'm going to follow. And there's this sense where the real heart of the book of Jonah being God's big, wide, open compassion for everybody, that's exactly what Jesus was about, right? Like that everything in him answered, yes, yes. I love the story in Matthew 9, where it says that Jesus saw all these crowds in front of him, crowds like you would have seen in Nineveh, the crowds that are all around us, right? He saw the crowds and he had compassion 
on them because they were, her, they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to his followers, his disciples, look, there are so many. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Jesus answers yes to the question. And it's still not neat and clean. It's still hard. It's still messy, not glamorous. Let's be clear. But he says yes. He embodies his love and he actually invites us to live that way too. For me, I guess that's a little bit, that's the resolution to the cord that I was looking for at the end of the book of Jonah. Thanks, Brenna. Yeah. Oh, that was really sweet. Yeah, just this image of Jesus as this hero and yet anti-hero being so close to our pain, right? When people ask, I want a sign, and Jesus says, I'm not going to play this game. It's just amazing, a really beautiful Mm -hmm. story. Um, We're going to shift right now. As some of you know, we like to invite up uh, folks in our community to share uh, about themselves. So yeah, Sam uh, Davila is going to come up and share. Yay. Thank you, Sam. I've gotten to know Sam, you're part of our um, women and non-binary group and just you're the best and such a delight. So um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been at City Church and what brought you here? Um, right, so- um, Is this one on? Yeah, okay, yeah, great. Okay. Um, right, so I've been coming to City Church, City Church since about January. And um, what brought me here is I've been in uh, recovery. I've been sober for about 20 months. And thank you. <laughs> And I was looking for ways to expand um, my relationship with the higher power and uh, God and creator. And um, a queer fellow had recommended City Church to me. So I've been coming ever since. Yeah, so awesome. Okay, tell us a little bit. What's your faith background like? Right, I didn't really grow up uh, very religious. Um, my mom was like pseudo or it's kind of religious. Like we'd have like periods where we'd go to Christian church and it was yeah. fine, not very um, memorable, but. Um, my dad wasn't very religious at all, but my stepmom was, uh, she was pseudo-religious. I mean, she was Catholic and we'd go to church once a year to see uh, the Passion of the Christ. And then God's suffering, or Jesus' suffering was really just kind of leveraged against us. You know, anytime mm. we misbehaved, it was like, God's watching you. And like, yeah. the only time God was brought up was, um, as like kind of punishment and like criticism. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And we'll hear more about that, right, as we chat. So. In your life, what have been some of the signs that you have looked for from God? Right. I mean, really, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Like, I, I feel like because of that view that I had of God, I really hid from God and hid from myself, essentially. And so I guess I kind of looked for a sign that God could love and accept me for who I was, just just as I was. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I'm going to share. If you said at one point, if I don't think about God, God won't think about me. Right. And that was kind of this, the understanding with your background of like, this is used to leverage against me, right? And right now the image I have of God doesn't accept me. Mm -hmm. So if I just don't think about God, God's not going to think about me. Right. That's, yeah, that's exactly how I thought and I lived and what led me to drinking really. Yeah, yeah. So when have you had to go into the deep and what has that journey looked like for you? Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, it's tough. Um, I mean, I was drinking for like 15 years of my life, which is more than half my life at this point. And so um, I was that was like really 
a deep time for me and um, a dark time for me. And I mean, now being in recovery, being in therapy, being a part of city church, being in um, another spiritual cohort, um, I've really had to like reflect and uh, face myself and be in the depth in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And when we we chatted before this, so I have an insider scoop on on Sam's story. But when you've shared, you've talked about this, like, I I have to hide from God out of a need to defend like self-defense. Like there's part of it where like the image of God you had was not healthy. Like that was scary. It didn't that that type of God didn't accept you. And so out of your own need to protect yourself, like you hid mm-hmm. and you ran. Right. Um and unfortunately you ran into addiction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's part of like the heartache of of like you didn't even yeah you didn't have this like a loving safe secure god in your mind to run to yeah okay so jesus's way is a little different and some of you have seen sam has just really dove into our community sam got baptized over summer and um you have learned so much about jesus and you've embodied so much of the way of jesus and i'd love for you to just share more about it so Jesus's way. It's a different type of way, right? It's anti-hero providing an alternative sign and Jesus is humble and in solidarity with the oppressed. So how have you learned about this and what have you experienced about this like new understanding? Yeah, well, I mean, I really, I really would love to thank Bill for um, just like helping me prepare for my baptism and giving me really um, thoughtful ideas on how to prepare for that experience, that life-changing changing experience, and really put God or Jesus into perspective and, and how to be like Jesus in um, in real small personal ways, such as, you know, um, uh, fasting to be in touch with my humanity and um, to be in touch with those who don't have, are not able to have. And um, really, I've just been learning more um, about how to be a better relative and, and how Jesus treated human beings as human beings right and and what does that mean for me and how can i exercise that in my daily life right so if i see a neighbor like struggling with their groceries i'm not just gonna try to shoot by them and not recognize them as a human being and and really just shifting my perspective in the daily daily realm just to really acknowledge humans as as relatives Mm -hmm. and how to be a better relative yeah that's so good i i've been learning from sam as sam's been learning it's been really fun we'll have little one-off conversations and what i've appreciated about what as you've learned about jesus and you've shared this about me as you've repeated a phrase of like being in touch with like like humanity and the humanness of it all and i just think that's such a beautiful way to enter into the jesus story and it's as brenna said earlier like being close to pain um and yeah, and you've just demonstrated that so well. And I feel like you are finding yourself in the story. That's really powerful. And if you want to say something about that, that's great. But I didn't prepare you with that question. But yeah. <laughs> no, actually, today, as I was listening to more of the interpretation of it, I mean, just uh, there was something where some, I, th- I think it might have been Brenna, you might have said something about like having that second chance at life that Jonah was given. And that's mm. really how I feel like being. Mm-hmm. given the second chance at life being in recovery now and getting the chance to live differently and just like really being in this big ch- time of change and transition yeah. and growth and, and being here and, and part of city church has been a big part of that yeah 
Yeah. Wow. You have a beautiful story and it's fun to experience it. And there's way more that we could hear. Uh, so if you see Sam, give them a wave or whatever, say how you're encouraged. I'm always encouraged by listening to you. So thanks for being here, Sam. And thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. Thank you, Daddy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sam's, yeah, very legit. I just adore everything I learned from you. It was so cool. We were having a conversation about certain Bible characters and where we see ourselves in the stories. And it was just fun. It's about imagination, right? As Brenna said, this holy imagination, seeing ourselves in the story and also seeing Jesus in the story with us. It's so hopeful. There's a lot of question marks from the sign of Jonah. There's a lot of curiosity about this satirical story. There's a lot of question marks around the way Jesus talked about it. But in it all, I think Brenna and I have just tried to express this hope that we're, we're finding. That when Jesus is asked for a sign, he says, you want a sign? The only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. You want me to play your game of system? of empire, of power. No, I'm not going to play that game. I am going to be the one that shows an alternative way of being in touch with people's pain, of being close to the humanness of, uh, of us all. It's a really good message. Okay, Emma is going to